Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy. So we're here doing a, doing a in-person podcast for one. Face-to-face. Face-to-face. Um, you, you came down to Orlando, spent a few days at Disney. How was, how was the weekend at Disney? Disney is a lot of work. Um, (laughs) you have to coordinate with multiple parties to get into manage multiple queues to get a project done in a certain amount of time, (laughs) but no, we had a great time. Um, definitely hanging out with you and the family, my family, some other friends of ours that were joining us. It was great. We got to go to all three parks. It was awesome. Good, great time. Cool, yeah. Weather, and the weather compared to Chicago, this is is awesome. There's uh, nothing I could say about the weather better. No humidity. Where's the this humidity? Lack of humidity is for Orlando. This, this doesn't get better. Than no, this, this the you hit you hit your timing perfectly, and there's no way to plan it because this yeah. could have been 20 degrees outside too, and, <laughs> or it could have been 80 degrees and raining. So yeah. you you got lucky on the weather. That we don't get nicer weather than we got here unless you like it a little warmer and it was even it was you know mid 70s so i don't know what deal the devil you made for us but (laughs) we appreciate how you coordinated the weather for it sure sure um so this is what we did this weekend actually came up with a situation that i think is a really good topic to talk about so we got into we all went to the everest ride and we did what they call the single line. And the single line is where if they have an odd number of people in a party, instead of leaving a seat open on a two-seater roller coaster section, they'll pull people off the single person line and stick you with random people to go on the roller coaster. Right. So you, JC, our friend JC, and Megan got on one coaster and then I ended up being on the one right behind y'all. Right. And there's two different sections of this roller coaster that are supposed to be kind of the scarier bits. One, you're going up the chink, 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 chink part of the um, roller coaster. That's I guess alluding to a dive on the other side, which it isn't, Right. but it's still that whole, you're going up really high up the side of this mountain. And then there's another part, that you're going up and then you find out that the track is broken. Right. So we both, uh, both of our cars, both of our trains are going up at the same time. And all of a sudden they stop. And for a good 10 to 15 minutes, I'd say Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we did not know what the heck was going on. Right. And, the, if I remember right, we got we had three broadcast notifications from someone that I don't think was old enough to drive yet based on the confidence <laughs> they expressed over the intercom. But they were just telling us that there was obviously a problem and something would happen. And so the what I would like to talk about is if you are part of a company that's providing a, a product and most likely in technology and things go wrong, what is the best 
way to communicate to users, to managers, to employees? What is the communication mechanism approach when things are not going well? Because right. this wasn't good in the, only in the sense that we just didn't know what was going on and we were kind of stuck. We right. And not, not stuck in a way of, well, I can go do something else. No one could do anything. Literally strapped in yeah. and not able to leave the, yeah. the roller coaster you were on. Now, given the weather, I was like, this is actually pretty nice. But that's not always going to be the case. Yeah. It, it, we, we, we were both on a lift, so we were a little reclined. <laughs> yes. You, you could have you turned your My head, like take, it. It, take a nap. <laughs> yes. You, you, you could have been fine. But you, you're right in that the communication could have been a bit better. Um, it certainly, so I worked at Disney many years ago yeah. and, and worked on Splash Mountain and Thunder Mountain, both of which are, are places with the same similar things. Yeah. Um, and actually was in the tower for a, an evacuation at one point. Um, and the protocol is when it breaks down, you give the first message, yeah. which we didn't even get this time. Yeah. You give the first message of whatever spiel they gave us at the time, but essentially something's up. You're perfectly safe. Yeah. We'll get back to you. Um, and then go from there. And that's pretty much the way it works in any business. Now, when, when you're given the spiel on the ride, you're talking to people from age seven or eight, depending yeah. on how tall they are, um, all the way up to age 80, depending on how well their heart's doing. Um, in business, you don't have that wide span of ages, yeah. but you do also have that wide span of technical knowledge. Yep. Um, most of the time, whatever whatever you're communicating is going to non-technical users. Even if you're addressing technical users, yeah. it could be forwarded to non-technical users. So you've always got to work that out. So um, when we've had issues come up and any issues we've had come up at, at Aspire EDU have all been due to other parties services. So Aspire mm -hmm. EDU itself has never broken. Yeah. Um, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, but Amazon had a whole, you know, when Amazon goes down, everybody goes down. Well, um, there's a term for that, which is, I can't remember the name. It's like a, this is down the ladder provider yeah. or something. Yeah. Downstream. Downstream provider. Yeah. yeah. I think in this case it's upstream. I think we're the downstream yeah, yeah. provider of, of Amazon. So <laughs> yes. our upstream provider is that. And that's that's the terminology we use. So we 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 do send something out as quickly as we find out something's going on. Yeah. Um and depending on the level of technical wording needed, either I or the CEO write it because mm -hmm. she's the one that right now manages all the customer communications. Um, so if it needs a little bit more technical polish, I'll write it and send it or I'll write it and send it to her and she forwards it on. Yeah. Either way is fine. Um, but it is, it, it, it's a constant, it's got to be a constant stream of updates or a regular, I won't say constant, it's got to yeah. be a regular stream of updates um, to where it's, Here's what we know at this point. Here's when we think it'll be fixed, or we do not know when yeah. things will change, but we'll let you know. Is is you and we'll update you in four hours, regardless. Is yeah. usually the way uh, we phrase it. Um, certainly. So that's that's for outages. 
um, Meltdown Inspector when that came out. Yeah. So when Meltdown Inspector came out, you knew that everybody was going to be reading up on it and wondering how it affected them. Yeah. This was also a teaching opportunity for us because what I did was uh, our lead developer had been talking about wanting to learn how to speak a little bit more business to translate the technical yeah. to business terms. Yeah. So I said, you write the email that's going to all the clients. I'll look it over. I'll, I'll make some modifications and we'll send it. Yeah. Um, so he wrote it, he wrote a perfectly great piece. Um, included a couple videos, included a couple diagrams. I, I didn't even, I, I don't think I changed his wording at all. Yeah. I think I changed the video he used yep. just because the video he used was one he watches all the time and he felt it broke it down. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't non-technical enough. Yes. It yeah. needed to be a little bit more cartoony, yeah. a little bit more of your, your, our, um, your icons of meltdown inspector involved. So what about, what about you? Well, I would say that my experience so far is I haven't had a number of outages with my clients that required a lot of notification because most of my clients where I'm work is we're dependent on upstream providers, Amazon and Her Heroku are the main mm -hmm. ones. And so the few outages we've had, I mean, the uptime for both all these guys has been, tremendous yeah absolutely um, so i i would say that my biggest thing is listening to the the um notification systems alert systems from heroku mm -hmm. and i get lots of them mm -hmm. and rarely are they important for me um usually the ones that affect us are pushing data um, like, hey, you can't right now make pushes to right. change. Right, seen plenty. Or of we're seeing issues with Dino ramping up Dinos or something. But a lot of the services we don't get have problems with. So, but I would say that when I do, when the few times that we've had an issue, usually it starts with Amazon. I will send an email, or I have a direct Slack contact with the main person point of contact, and I just say. Amazon's down, I'm looking into it. Or they'll send me an email because they get a notification because of some heightened issue and they say, what is this? Right. So there is the issue where provider, upstream providers are contacting my clients. Oh, interesting. Before I sometimes have a chance to, to say anything. Interesting. But I instantly translate it for them. Right. And there's nothing I can like, it's not so bad that they get that those communications unless it bothers them. But I guess when I look at the whole scenario like this, I kind of break it down into a number of considerations that any firm should have. One would be timing. You discuss this. How, how frequently do you get in touch with someone? How soon at the first hint of a problem? Um, you, if you overreact and send out a notice every time people will, perhaps freak out freak out tune you out yeah not read everything you're saying so that you may somewhere along that line have something for them to do yeah but they've tuned it out by that point so you're yeah. right that that it matters so timing is a big thing um the defining the level of urgency mm -hmm. of the communications mm -hmm. is this code red yellow orange I mean, we've seen the problem with maybe Homeland Security is that I think we've been stuck on orange or yellow forever. Right. So now it just means that 
Okay, so that doesn't mean anything. Snafu. Yeah, isn't, yeah isn't, it's totally normal. Um, the next would be, how much information do you give? Because I asked you after the roller coaster, because by the way, we're not on the roller coaster still. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They came and picked us up and they had stairs for everyone. Um, and, the, and the teenagers, which were, they're obviously like, None of them could drive at this age. They <laughs> they got us all. They got all these adults off the side of this mountain, and they were kind of worried about it because they had never. It looked like none of them had handled this situation before, but they did a terrific job with how they handled it. Well, let 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 let's give let's give Disney a little credit here, and I'll talk a little <laughs> behind the scenes here because because Randy's slandering them. Oh them no, out. they did a great job. <laughs> those kids, so, those kids did a great job. <laughs> so so first off. The amount of times you actually have to evacuate yeah. one of those rides is very few. Yeah. I mean, I I worked at Disney over four summers and one full year, and I can count. I can remember two times. Oh wow! We evacuated, wow. and that was that was Jungle Jungle. I don't even want to talk about Jungle Cruise evacuations because you're in the middle of a boat, and that's a bit of a mess. <laughs> yes. um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain. Um, Splash and Thunder, I can only remember evacuating twice. Yeah, yeah. Now, breakdowns, people yeah. stuck on boats for 15 minutes. Yes, that happens, but actually pulling people off the rides doesn't happen okay. all often. And Interesting. The, the, you get that training when you're trained on the ride. Yeah. And then there's there, you don't get it again until the situation comes up. Yeah. But what you do have, what do you have? What do you think they have for, for just those situations? Like a booklet. They've got their standard operating yeah, procedures, yeah. SOPs. So you break open the evacuation SOP. You go, okay, you're this role. You're this role. You're this role. Go. Here's your here's your duties. Yeah. And so it's very prescribed. Yeah. And that's what we saw. Yeah. Okay. We saw one person at the train who was responsible for hitting the switch on each car that a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot bars to yeah. come up, and the other one down at the bottom of the stairs to keep us bracketed. Yeah. Right, one person watching everyone while the other one was working. Yeah, so um, very, very strict procedures, and and e I'm sure each evacuation area had a lead or a yeah. trainer there, somebody who's who's if not done it many times, has done it once or twice, and has taught the procedure done. So, so that just to bring that back in. So, the strong, the, so I want to make a point there yeah. about the standard operating procedures. They so, will, I will give Yeah. I'll give them total credit. The strongest kid definitely was the one that had to be the burden of the crutch of helping people climb out of this. Cause we're at an angle. Oh yeah. On steep stairs, yep. on very short stairs. Yep. So first, person came up said does anyone need medical attention so they did triage mm -hmm. immediately and they all look nervous as heck so i, <laughs> I kind of knew i was like yeah. they haven't done this before but they definitely they followed those procedures on our car that you weren't on right and i i was like watching them i'm like okay they've got this under control yeah they took they took each pair of people out of the cars the guy in my car the guy next to me almost fell over but the kid caught him mm -hmm. and then we all waited and then we all hiked down up and down Everest, which I, you know, I know it's not a easy feat, but I've done it now. I've hiked, you, 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 I've you, hiked Everest. You, you've <laughs> climbed down Everest. You have not climbed up Everest. Now I, 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 I get the better claim because we were higher. 
Yeah. So I went further on Everest than you did. Yeah. Now your wife Megan was a couple seats in front of me, so actually she gets the claim for the. I'll be higher. But uh, anyway, so, so the point being about all of that standard operating procedures. Yes. So that's also something to have. So that that brings up all the terms that come in in yeah. our field: um, disaster recovery plans, yeah. business recovery plans, which are two different things. Um, so I've written both. Um, what's your experience with, with each one as far as how many, have you written disaster recovery plans? What do you feel go in them, um, as opposed to a business recovery plan? Well, disaster recovery I had to do for the financial company I worked for. And we basically had to do it because what was, I was after nine 11, um, we need to have, we're a financial institution, you know, the banks that dealt with losses at that sure. point, um, kind of ref- everywhere in the industry need to do something. And we talked about data. It was really about data recovery, mm-hmm. where data is stored, how people would get to it, especially in the scenario where I was the one that knew everything. Right. How would the non-technical managers in the company reach out to the company we used at the time was Iron Mountain. Right. And how would they be able, how would they reach out to Iron Mountain and, mm-hmm. and get that data? Mm-hmm. Um, then we had a few clients at the time that were like, hey, what is your, we need to see your documents. And it took a lot of time. It was the boring, most boring job. Um, but it was, there was no doubt about the necessity. Right. You need to write this in a very technical document format where everything was, had an index, everything had a you know check, table of contents. Is able you were able to quickly reference different sections of a standard document. And this is years ago, so I don't remember right. all the details, right. but I remember I need to make it organized enough so that my manager could just say, "Tell me about this," and I could just look on the table of contents and then reference the page. Right. We had a, di- a digital version of it, but the paper one was what most people wanted to have right. sent to them. And, and that, that was back, back a little while back as well. 2002, yeah, 2015 so years yeah. ago. Or so. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yes, you should have a paper copy just in case you can't get to your various electronic resources. Yeah. Um, so we, we have to do both. We have to do that. So a lot of the school client schools that we talk to require both. Um, and, and something that's come up in the last five years that was not there originally. Yeah breach protocol yeah so what happens if your your database is hacked and you find out somebody's got all that data so our client schools want to know what's our breach protocol when will that's, we and that's newer yes yeah that's newer that's within the i've last never done that five years or so i've never had a client that yep. has asked to do it we're, we're held but by i understand why you would we we have our we have a, a regulation ferpa oh um, yeah so we we have to um so that that's more about if, you, if there's a breach, when will you tell us? Which yeah. is an interesting question, okay? Because they're saying, you may not tell us right away. And we, based on the protocol, we're going to find out as much as we can before we share that with everyone. Yeah. Because the next question is going to be, how bad is it? Yeah. Do Are my students' data out there? That sort of thing. So we've committed to a certain level of time that we'll, we'll let them know after we know. Um, and then procedures for handling. Yeah. Um, 
So we talked about disaster recovery, including breach. There's also business recovery. Yeah. Did you want to hit something on disaster recovery? No, no. I was going back to something I brought right. earlier. So, so business recovery, we've had a few ask us about that. And that's more, that's more hurricane comes through Florida. Yeah. I have to evacuate. CEO has to evacuate. How do we continue business in that circumstance? Yeah. Okay. Um, you might also have a business where one person's really important and then you have key man insurance yeah. for that sort of thing. Um, so, so we have a small business recovery plan as well. The, the good news for us, we're remote. Yeah. So everybody we have, we've got Orlando, Tampa, Illinois, Arkansas, and uh, Northern Arkansas. So mid central Arkansas, Northern Arkansas. So yeah. we're spread out to where... There's really not going to be any one event that impacts us all unless it's a nationwide event. Yeah. So we've always got somebody who can keep their eye on it. So that's that's kind of business recovery as well. So the what I was going to go back to mm -hmm. was um, the amount of I, I asked you a question about what do you think went wrong? Like, what is the standard mm -hmm. of telling us what's going on? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, in no circumstance will we tell you what exactly is wrong going on. And I'm not saying that that's a bad choice because mm -hmm. the information could worry people. Right. But there's part of the protocol is how much information do you give people? That And that can't be defined. That's yeah. got to be a situation by situation because they're not going to come on that intercom at Disney yeah. and say, oh, the ride broke down because one of the brakes failed or, yeah. or the ride broke down because there's a piece of broken track. Yeah. Okay. None. They're not going to say that. They don't need to say that, really. Yeah. Um. They They're just going to say, "Hey, for whatever reason, can't go any further." And and we talked about various things that could have happened, and yeah. I explained uh, it could just be a sensor yeah. went funky, and that's probably all it is. Three out of four times is probably all it ever is. Is a sensor goes funky. Yeah. It's not something with the actual ride. It's something that's sensing whether the ride's broken has gone down. So therefore, you have to take the ride down because you no longer know. Um, on this particular ride, that switching of the track yes. is probably yes. a, a just for, tra train rail switches are always a problem. Very much so. It, it's a moving part that they yeah. don't have on any other coaster at Disney. That's and speculation. I, so yes, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to spoil it too much for those who haven't been on Everest. I want, I want them to get the full experience next time they go to Animal Kingdom. So, we, did, we did get to do the ride later, which is it's more fun to do it in a train car than to walk it, just so people know. Don't try to walk Disney's Everest. Oh, like no. I and and, and the, I, I have two stories to share, one from this and then one from uh, Saturday night as well. Um, so as we were evacuating, one of the first things they said when we're getting out of the car is phones and cameras away. They didn't tell us that. No, they told us that. They said phones and cameras yeah. away for safety. Okay. Yeah. They said for safety, which is true. If you're trying to film the backstages of Disney while you're going downstairs, while you're walking yeah. in narrow areas, because these are these are safe, but they're narrow areas, you're going to trip. So yeah. they're right that it's safety. But with Disney, I'm sure there's also that secondary. They don't want um, things up on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, of their backstage, even though probably already exists. Yeah. So let's talk about um, expectation setting. Yes, that's where I'm because getting at. Yeah. Saturday night went to the Orlando City uh, uh, season opener. Yeah. 
um, soccer, soccer match MLS. against uh, DC United. So this is the second year that that stadium has been open. Last, it's a great stadium. Everything, almost everything about the experience there is positive. Yeah, they do have an issue that I think is worse now. It, I think it keeps getting worse, and and I'm not, I don't see efforts to make it better. They say there are efforts to make it better. I don't see them. So what the the problem there is is entry. Mm-hmm. So if you think of the four sides of a stadium, yeah. um, we'll we'll. we'll We'll go ahead and say it's a rectangular just for ease of description. There's one side that is only for club seats. Mm -hmm. And there are three other gates, gate areas that are for everyone else. And then there's one separate area for supporters because um, they get special privileges like bringing fan uh, flags into the stadium, banners, things like that. They're louder. They're louder. They probably have a little bit more to consume before the game. Yeah. So there's Chicago the, Fire has it. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. The security there's a little tighter. Section eight is what we call them. Okay. I think as a, as a fire code. The, 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 the funny the the we've got the section numbers for those people, but it's actually the section numbers from the old stadium. Uh, so yeah. they they said we're not changing our section yeah. numbers. So anyway, um, so they have three areas for what is going to be roughly 18 to 19,000 people. Yeah. Those three areas have 12 metal detectors, mm-hmm. 12 choke points. Yeah. At total uh, for, for 18,000 people in the whole off season, they're like we're improving our process. We're, we're making things better um, here. We want you to use our mobile app to show your ticket instead of having a hard app yeah. instead of having a hard ticket. Um, I had been to enough games last year where I could not pull up my ticket on my phone mm. that I was like, no, they gave us the choice of getting season ticket cards. I'm like, no, you're going to send me my season ticket cards. Cause I'm not going to mess with this. Yeah. Got to the game. First off, it was as mobbed as usual. Yeah. And in one of those three areas I talked about, they actually took away a pair of metal detectors and were using them for supporter sections. So they increased the amount of flow for supporters and decreased it for the 18,000 others. Yeah. Um, and there was a door, there was a doorway sitting there, not being used, no metal detectors, with plenty of area for there to be more. Mm-hmm. So it just very much felt like a, you don't, I don't, it does not appear to me like you all are doing everything you can. So I, I think that they did not set my expectation proper. Yeah. Their way of setting expectation proper throughout the past couple weeks, because they said, hey, it's going to be busy. And it was perfect storm of events as well. There were, there was a game, a basketball game at the, at the arena. There was something going yeah. on at the football stadium. So parking itself was bad. Yeah. It was just crowded in general. So anyway, um, they didn't set my expectations. And the way, only thing they said is arrive early. Because if you arrive early, that gives you more time to get through the gates. Yeah. 7.30 kickoff, we arrived at 6.50. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I think is plenty of time. We got in at 7.25. Wow. So 35 minutes just to proceed from mob to in the stadium. Yeah. So we got to our seats right 
when the anthem was starting. So just in time. And that story parallels to a product where if you expect higher demand, you tell your user base or the clients, hey, um, we expect delays. Right. We expect there to be heightened traffic. Well, not only that, because they, they, I will say they set the expectation of there were going to be delays. Yeah. But I think what everybody else is thinking is, well, you knew about these delays. You've had a whole off season to improve it. And we get there and we see areas where you're not creating more throughput than you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so again, that I, I haven't called my my representative at the club yet. That's something I'll do probably tomorrow and say, hey, can uh, can you tell me what happened here, or or can you tell me that? something's going to improve. Now, what they may say is that one door that wasn't being used, they're holding open just in case they have to evacuate. Yeah. Which I maybe fire code makes them, but that yeah. doesn't make any sense to me because if they have to evacuate, turn off the everybody's fire. turning yeah. around yeah. anyway. So yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. Um but that's that's neither here nor there. So so then another item that I look at for communications is I guess there's a number of levels on this side, but it has to do with the content of the communication. Right. One of it has to do with language. So something that was interesting to me, one, I expected a canned message that would just repeat itself at different intervals related to this issue with the delay in the ride. Okay. Because I've heard it on other rides right. before in the past. Usually six flags would have been too right. more. Right. And Something that I noticed at Disney that seems more consistent than it used to be is the only communication we got was in English. And I typically have heard at various other places at least Spanish. I, I, I would I agree. I would have expected Spanish as well. Um, now, Disney being Disney, having people from all over the world, there, yeah. they're not going to hit everything. Oh, no. Um, they're not going to come close most of the time. Um, it was, um, it's still, um, what I consider South America tourism time. Yeah. So they, they fly whole plane loads of people to come to Disney. And yeah. So they're, they're and I don't, uh, depending on whether they're Brazilian or not, depends on whether it's Portuguese or Spanish. Yeah. But, um, but I know that there are other places throughout Disney that use Spanish as a second language yeah. as well. You're right in that it wasn't canned. It was very consistent. It was the same words every time. So it sounded mm. good. It was for the first two or three it was. Well, the and third the, one was the worst one. Right. Because the same person right. got on there, did not sound confident in what he was saying, and then he stopped and then went dark. Like, it just didn't right. make any... So when I, what I was sitting there thinking about was I wasn't worried. Mm -hmm. Like, I was not worried about safety. Um if it had just started going again without any communication, I would have been like, is this the best thing to do? Right. But I was, it was more of, okay, you are now lowering my confidence as a user with that. I know you, that I know that you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I felt that that was what, if Disney were to take a teaching moment from this scenario, it would be 
just say the same thing again. Right. At the worst case scenario, just repeat yourself and, and don't you, stop talking. They're, they're, they're absolutely part of that procedure is the breakdown spiel. Yeah. So it's right there on the card in front of you. And that's and what he should. He should just kept reading it. You, you read that until you get to the evacuation spiel. When they make that decision, then you pick up that card and you read that card. But they didn't tell us they're going to evacuate. They did. They did, but they used they used very unclear language. Yes, okay. and that's the problem. That's the content unclear card. Unclear language. You're right. They made me think. What are they talking about? So, so if I remember the language correctly, it was something's happening with the ride. Please remain in your vehicle until expedition guides come to yeah. okay. guide you on your way. Okay. So. They're, yep. they're using terminology for the fun of it, but it was like at that point, it doesn't matter. You don't need to market it. Like there's a Sherpa coming to get you off the side. I, that would have been great if they had said that. <laughs> no. that. That would have been even better. And then and then have have actual Sherpa show up. Yeah, they should have been in. They were not in costume, <laughs> and I had no confidence that these kids in shorts knew what they were doing on the side of a mountain. But it is. It, it, like that was where I, I, again, I never felt unsafe and at this whole point, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, this doesn't, this isn't being handled well because communication has ended the, the confidence level of just everything is you're safe. That term was never used. Now I know that saying that can actually make people worse. Yes. Yes. You never want to actually bring up the possibility that they may not be. Yes. So, at other rides where there has been verbal action over the speaker of a can sort, so yeah. Big Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain, especially those places where you've got themed. Yeah. Um, Splash Mountain's a perfect example. You've got a very specific theme you've got going there. So anything coming across the PA usually is very in character and usually voice acted yeah. and all that, um, except when they have to break. They, there's even a button. For breakdown yeah. spiel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you hit the breakdown spiel button. You don't even say it. And then it is consistently delivered. Why not at this one? I don't know. I don't have and that's what I answer. think they should do. Right. Like, that would be my recommendation. There's, there's no reason. There's no reason not to. And I think Heroku has a good number of canned. Like, I think canned mm-hmm. is a way to go until you need to give that extra bit of information. Given that you know the scenarios. But if you, if you have standard, like, hey, our upstream provider is having an issue. I get that from my providers on things a lot. What that my my objection to canned. So at least for the initial. Sure, for the initial. But I don't want to see the same can thing three times. No, I agree with that. Then then I'm gonna be like, okay, you're not telling me anything. Yeah. You're just Well, I agree. You're just whole you're just repeating the same stuff so that you can say you've done something. Sometimes it's a delay to see, does this get worse? Does this fix but, but itself on its own? When we, when we do our non-can stuff for Aspire EDU, I try and change up the wording. Yeah. Just, again, so that it, it they don't glaze over it when they're reading it. Yeah. So that they're look, so that I give them, I try and give them something new yeah. to think about or, or to, to digest. So here, So here's another aspect. Various stakeholders... Because not everyone sure. cares the same way or needs the same information. If Everest crumbled during that ride, you got to talk to someone. Has to talk to Eisner at the top and to tell him why their best ride 
collapsed. So, 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 the, so, which did not happen. <laughs> but it's one of those things of there's investors at Disney. There are safety people. There's the police, or in theory, there's some other government body in Florida that may or may not be owned by Disney that runs <laughs> that could control safety. Um, there's other people. So in my case, I have users I have to communicate to. Why can't they get to the service of the product that they need? And there are the people managing it that okay. just trust me to be the technical. I have to have a technical communication, some kind of conversation with them that's different. That I can't give them. A, I can't send to my client, your e-commerce product is not working. Get back, I'll get back to you with the same re- repeated response. I have to explain something to them. Right. So this is this is where we, we we don't have this segment in our podcast yet. Maybe we'll add it at some point. This is fact checking. <laughs> uh, Eisner hasn't been the CEO in I don't know how many years. Oh, really? <laughs> Who's the guy now? I don't remember. <laughs> but it hasn't been Eisner. In Eisner is back in charge <laughs> in, in my scenario. And and second of all, just, just to everyone out there, if, if you want to listen to this episode and you want your friends to, tell them to get to it quickly before we get a takedown notice from Disney. Exactly. For, <laughs> for a name. For just using their names and talking. Uh, anyway, so, um, so yes, different levels are correct. Um, again, that's – it's going to depend on the application. Yeah. B2B, um, you're going you're gonna to just send out – same level stuff yeah. most of the time and tinged with a little technical talk yeah, and maybe a couple links or, or, or something to say, if you want more details, yep. reply here or go here. Um, B to C um, to where you're actually dealing with end users directly. Um, do you even need different levels there? I don't even think you need different levels there because again, you're talking to an end user. Now, you know, you may be talking to different, um, knowledge levels of users, but you don't need to send different notes for that. But yeah. there are cases where it is. So everything we're talking about is is customer service one hundred and one yeah. for any business, yeah. not 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 just technical businesses, but it, it's pretty much customer service one hundred and one, um, which is which is something Disney excels at, and they drop the ball a little here. Oh yeah, so. yeah. So the other thing is channels. Now in this case, they only had one mechanism for a channel to us, which was a speaker on the side of the mountain. And it worked. I mean, for the standpoint of they need to deliver communication to us, they used the, the megaphone tied into the system or whatever it was. But I'm talking about more in our, in our line of work. Mm-hmm. How do you go about notifications? Because... The various options I can think of off the top of my head: email, number one; mm-hmm. Slack notifications. You can pull. Sure. You can you can have a distribution channel that go that sends out notifications that would be part of a web hook that would go into a Slack channel, a message board channel, an iOS or Android notification channel, a, a status page, status uh, page, which I, I'll th- we, which I have an example to we, talk about. We didn't even go there yet. Yeah, and so you have, and that's, and there's push and pull. There's Twitter. There's there's entire Twitter accounts, and all they right. do is spit out the status of certain things. I, I it, just because I, I think that this is interesting to some and, and not interesting to others. We'll talk a little bit about Disney again. Yeah, uh, Chan, and and I'll, I'll relate it to channels. Disney's, Disney's so good. Um, you talked about PA. Yeah, Splash Mountain. If that ride was down for more than three minutes. 
it was PA and people on the track mm. at the various places yeah. because at the time that's changed now at the time there were no lap bars mm-hmm. on splash mountain logs. Oh, so if yeah. those boats sat there for more than about three minutes, people started getting up and just wandering. Oh, wow. throughout the ride. Yeah. So, so that and around water, no, no, no <laughs> yeah. around water, around a ride that could start at any point. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, yes. Our exit signs hidden because the exit signs aren't real obvious to you when you're on the ride. That's yeah. kind of the point. Um, but yeah, we had to get people out of them immediately. Yeah. Um, for a splash. Uh, they've changed that now cause there's a, there's a lap bar. Um, but no, uh, you, you know, my, you know, my love with, uh, with SMS right now. Yeah. So that's a, that's yep. a perfectly reasonable channel as well. We talked about status pages. Um, that's something that we should talk about at the very beginning when we were talking about everything is that's one of the first things after the first two or three in instances we had yeah. of down outages, I was like, we need to go find a status page provider because yeah. there are a couple providers out there. And, and cause what we were doing is we were sending emails, yeah. just emails and emails and emails and emails. Um, and eventually I was like, this is silly. Yeah. We send one, we send one email. Now we say, Hey, sign up for our, status page service here with notifications here. And then we only had to go one place to update the actual status. And we mark it partially, um, partially out or fully out. When you vetted, this is a subject I'm going to get into. When you vetted your status page provider, did you look and see if their upstream provider was the same as yours? (laughs) No, (laughs) because the best example I've ever seen of the failure to of a status page was the Amazon outage that happened Mm -hmm. almost a year, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe longer. I can't remember the timeline. They went down, had a multiple hour issue. And for some reason, not the green, check mark of everything's good but the red x mark of things are not good was actually stored as on the cloud front service Uh. so amazon was basically telling the code the the markup was the service is down right but we were getting green check marks because that was the fallback (laughs) and that was not on cloud front and the the x the, the, the red warning was stored on S3. Sure. So, I mean, like, and these are such, these are the kind of things that the best of companies have an issue with. Sure. And it's, it just reminded me, like, oh, so if there's a status provider, I'm, and I'll put their the status page.io or that's, something. That's who we use, yeah. And I was thinking, I bet they're on Heroku or ES or but, EC2 but or something. As far as I could tell, they're not. Okay. Because I think when I was looking was in the middle of an outage. Okay. Um, it was one of those where it, I think it was the worst one we'd had, and it was an upstream yeah. issue. But it was a case of it went down, and it didn't look like it was coming back up for a while. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm tired of sending emails. Yeah. We're going to send one more email. We're going to say, hey, we've we've – implement this new service, sign up here for notifications. When we have new status updates, you can check the status of the various services, all those things. Yeah. Um, and, and can I write that myself? Sure. I can write that myself. Our team can write that ourselves, but it's another one of those things of I'll gladly outsource that to someone for a few bucks yeah. a month 
then spend development time on a strap staff I already have yeah. to build it ourselves. So the other, the other, and we're going, or I guess we're probably going to need to wind this down soon. Yep. But the other thing I would say is know your stakeholders well enough to know who needs to hear about it from random, like through the grapevine, things okay. are down versus who needs a phone call. And that has to do with status on your client chain and importance to the company of communications if they care that much. I, I would say I would say I hope you know that before You should know that. That's what I'm saying. I, I hope you know that before you get to outage because that yeah. should have been part of your sales cycle. Yeah. You gotta know who's making who's writing the check or who's nodding their head that somebody else can write the check. And yeah. That's a sales that's a sales call most of the time. Um, as far as you got it, the salesperson will figure all that out. Now, do they communicate that to the back end? Yeah. We're a very small company. So yeah. when our salesperson learns something, he discusses it with the CEO um, very easily. But, but when you've got separate departments, doesn't happen and they may not hand that information off. Well, the scenario I can give is that when I took over for a, at a company, a technology platform that was notorious for being down. Right. We re rebuilt a number of things. And when we came one, uh, and like two months later, never had any downtime. Mm -hmm. The first time the system upstream provider went down. And then all of a sudden I get a call from the CEO or the, the person in charge because someone else at the company said, it's down, it's down like it always used to be. And all of a sudden I had to explain why you were hired to make this work a hundred percent of the time. And I had not set expectations well for like, well, sometimes our upstream providers won't always be a hundred percent, but also I made the mistake of not, or I didn't know at the time there is someone paying even closer attention because they were so frustrated with the previous regime mm. And so that's what they're always looking at. And so I made sure that every notification that would come from our upstream providers would get to me as soon as possible. And I would circle, I would make sure that I would route those issues to the person in charge to say, I'm aware of this. Sure. Because actually that's what they were more worried about is does Randy know about this? Because this other person's freaking out and the person in charge didn't want to hear from the other person anymore. And I just said to the other person is like, why don't you call me first right? before you call the head honcho? Because this will keep our communications where if I'm not aware, you can ding me all day. But if I am aware, it means I'm working on it and we'll make sure that the protocol is followed for right. how this goes. Right. That conversation saved a ton of time. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I didn't tell the, the person, hey, it's not your business to be concerned. It's not your business to tell the head honcho. I didn't tell them any of that. I didn't say, you need to change. I just said, just between you and me, I would appreciate it if you'd reach out to me first so you can know if I'm actually on the ball. And Absolutely it fixed true. everything. That Absolutely one conversation true. fixed everything. So that's kind of what I'm going into with stakeholders. I had multiple people that needed to know certain things and to just be, if you have confidence that things are going to get taken care of. Right. I'm, la I'm laughing while you're saying that one, one of my flaws, um, and I only have one or two, 
one of my flaws <laughs> is I'm sitting across from you. I see some others, but I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> one of my flaws is I feel like, if if I'm if I'm just a worker bee, then I don't feel this way. Yeah. But if I'm manager or, or person in charge, I want to control the narrative. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, where where you will see my anger most in a business situation is when I built up a nice narrative. I've been having yeah. communications with people and somebody comes in off the side, somebody yeah. from my company comes in off the side and provides additional information or different information. Yeah. Sometimes accurate, sometimes not, but sometimes too much. Yes. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm trying to give the right information for the right level of person I'm talking to. Yeah. And some people are coming and dumping, just dumping information, yeah. which just confuses things, raises questions that may, may have not even been a problem. So that you'll see my anger most in a business yeah. situation in that case. So now the final thing, I, I would keep, we're going to say final all over and over. The final <laughs> thing would be the postmortem. If in, like in Heroku sometimes does this for us, we never hear from Amazon. I never, I don't remember, maybe I'm not subscribed to the right channels. Right. But Heroku at least will sometimes come back. And some of my other providers for a big issue, a significant issue, will come back and say, here's what happened. Here's what we're doing to fix it. And I like them. They don't give away anything secret sauce wise. Right. But they at least say like, hey, we got caught by this. We want you to know what we're doing to rectify it. Amazon did it once and they right. actually put in, it was around that same issue with the status thing when that went down and they gave, they also said, Hey, here's our recourse for it. But sometimes you need to do that. I, I, I won't disagree. Um, I don't know that we do, we, we do postmortem communications with a lot of the things we've, we've, we have yeah. because we know what the problem is. And we're not going to get the cause from Amazon. So yeah. all we said is one of our providers has an outage. Yeah. This is what we know. And and by the way, if if AWS is down, yeah. we're down as well. But so is the main learning management system that all these clients are using. Yeah. So that usually we're not the most important thing to them at that moment. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it, we did have one incident where... It was an upstream provider, but we could have done things better. And yeah. we did We did say that at the end. And we said it in the middle. We said, hey, we know that this sounds like we probably could have avoided or, or um, done something to make this better. So we're going to. And, yeah. and, and we did that. So let's wrap up. Yep. For picks this week, it's a very, very specific question. Yep. Three, the three most... If you're going to Disney, if somebody's going to yeah. Walt Disney World, I, because there's Walt Disney World, there's Disneyland. So we're talking about Orlando. Yeah, Orlando. Walt, if somebody's going to Walt Disney World, what are the three things, whether it's a ride, a service, like Fast Pass or After Hours yeah. or any of those things, what are the top three things you recommend and and or what were the most interesting? For a place to stay, um, I, well, I guess, yeah, place to stay. For us, I had my brother and his family come down, and I really found that there are some great deals on the fringe of Disney that you can go Airbnb, VRBO, and rent condos that have lots of bedrooms and space geared for these types of trips. 
And I have talked to people and they're like, oh, I've never thought about that. We've always stayed on site. Right. And there's a significantly higher cost with those on-site hotels in most cases, especially depending on when you choose. Right. But about a month out, we chose what I thought was a really good condo. We used Airbnb. And we stayed south of Animal Kingdom. Um, if you look on a map, that's kind of the 192, is it 45? What's the, I don't know, there's an intersection near Yeah, here. I don't know what the intersection is. But, but you're, you're, yeah. we found that from a where to stay, that there's are good options of condos to rent for large groups that are economical. And yeah. we have gone air, we've gone, and then the next one would be transportation. The public transportation, the buses, like you, when we talked, you were kind of like, oh, buses will be slow. I mean, if you live in a major city, these buses are awesome. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. They are they are fast. They are they are clean. They don't they cost you another dime. Um, I haven't even been on the monorail thing. I don't even I don't know how efficient that is. But the bus system here is great. But I would say Uber and Lyft. We have never waited longer than seven to eight minutes, and all of the drivers have been great. So, if you come down, do you need a rental car? Questionable. I don't know. Like for depends if, on the size of your party. Depends well. on the size of your party, and if you're going to a lot of custom places, but for Megan and I, um, we were really happy with just the way Uber and Lyft have both been integrated into the um, kind of area. And then in terms of attractions, I mean, they're all great. I mean, we had a really good experience. I'd say that the, the most efficient use of time was attending the after hours for it was a you know a ticket price normal ticket price but you get to do there's no lines you just go through every ride you want to in magic kingdom so normal ticket price for about three hours of yeah. open but but so low crowds yes. that you're walking on the rides yeah. and not all the rides are open yeah and you're experiencing them at night yep so um it's a different experience at night for some of those rides some there's not a different experience yeah. but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna force an answer out of you. Oh, okay. Best best ride. Ooh, wow. Um, man, I'm gonna have to think about this a little bit. Which one did I like the best? Nothing at Epcot. Oh, what am I talking about? Okay, I do know. The best ride by far is the Aladdin. Not not Aladdin. <laughs> crap. Avatar. I'm not cutting that. No, I don't have to cut that. <laughs> Avatar. Avatar flight of the hidden flight of passage. The Smurfs take flight, something like that. Tall Smurfs take flight. Um yeah, so it's a it's it's not VR. It's 3D with I guess they call it the 4D experience, but it, it's essentially you are flying one of the the beasts of Avatar, the little dragon things and banshees. banshees, and you truly feel like you are soaring above this world. And they have the the way that they move the bikes, the way that they do the air um, currents. Um, I think they are there are some smells thrown in there, and you truly feel like you're flying. 
-hmm. Now, what it doesn't give you is the dynamic ability to steer. Like I thought I was for a while. No interactivity, <laughs> but uh, no, no interactivity it's not from you. Yeah. Now, I thought I was at one point. I was like, oh, I'm going to fly this thing to the right. <laughs> and it wasn't doing what I wanted. But it is truly by far the best ride. Now, the wait time versus, <laughs> I think this, this ride was a two-hour minimum wait. And it doesn't get easy to get on there unless you do, unless you stay on site and you get fast pass 60 days out. Right. But if you want to see, if you want to experience by the best ride I've ever seen or felt like experienced, mm -hmm. it is the Avatar Flight of Passage. Yeah. And, I, I, and you told me that yep. and you were right on the money. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so it, it was worth the two hour wait. I'm not sure it's worth doing it three or four times, waiting no, two hours, three I, or four times in a trip. You do it once, yeah, you, you yeah, realize, yeah. yes, I just rode the best ride there is. Now, I did see a magic carpet on this thing, right? Like Aladdin was there. No. No? No. Okay. No, Aladdin's magic carpet is over in the Magic Kingdom. I didn't drive it's that. It's right in front of Jungle Cruise. Is it good? It's like Dumbo. So it's just one of those little carnival uh, rides where you just go up But and it down. feels like you're on a carpet, right? <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. So, so... Enjoyed having you all here. Yes. Um, this is not your first time to Disney World at all. You've been. It's been to, a long time. You hadn't been to Hollywood Studios. You hadn't. Been I know, to, yeah, yeah. You hadn't been to Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Um, you hadn't been to Magic Kingdom in a while. Yeah. So, um, but it was your wife's first time. Yes. And I think she enjoyed. She had a blast. She enjoyed herself and, and your, your and brother's you, family enjoyed yes. it as well. And then you were along to kind of give us tips. And I think your tips were all great. Um, the only thing you didn't tell me to do was to pack for a week-long trip in a, amongst Everest. Um, <laughs> and that's probably where we were least prepared. But we survived it. So so I will even offer a, as my tip. And yeah. what's, what's the email address everybody can send it to? Send, send us uh, emails to for this podcast? Oh, hello at ctothink.com. There we go. So yeah. if anybody's going to Walt Disney World yeah. and has a question, <laughs> they can most certainly ask, and I'll be glad to answer awesome. as best I can. Great. Because um, I, I live in the area. I worked at the attractions. We have annual passes. We go all the time. So I don't know everything, but yeah. I, I I think you navigated it fairly well. So. so now you're invited to come to Chicago and wait outside in 40 degree weather for beer. Like is that the best thing going on in Chicago for the next I, few I months? Don't know. Next time, next <laughs> last few times I went to Chicago in the winter, all I remember are having to walk the streets very gingerly because of all the ice on the sidewalks. That's the, that. that's the experience. I, that's that, the fun that, part. That, that's where the adrenaline gets going, right? Because <laughs> when your feet are going out from under you. For all I know, we're going to keep, I'm going to have an excuse to keep coming down here in the spring. We'll just keep doing <laughs> like, like paired shows um, until April or May. Yeah, you're, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. <laughs> so, so thank you for coming down and, and I'm glad, I'm glad you made it. So, um, We'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com, voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week.